Hi, everyone. It's Madge here, your lesbian. I don't know if this is emergency grum or if it's just a grum. I don't know when I'm going to post this thing, but I am recording it shortly, just a few hours after the SCOTUS uh, overturned the Roe v. Wade, and I feel compelled to say something, but I'm not sure what. Um, I was visiting with the chickens this morning, and... um, I I uh, was upset because Vivian lost her bib. Vivian has a bib, and, um, um, you know, to protect her from being pecked by the other chickens. And um, she, she must have lost it. And I asked my wife about it. She said, well, they had an orgy last night. The chickens had an orgy. And... Um, the chickens had an orgy and Vivian lost her bib. So I texted or I Instagram message and messaged the, uh, the the caretaker of the chickens, and she said she would put the um, the Vivian's bib back on. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, right, yeah. So and that, right, yeah. I'm gonna turn on the sound effects in case somebody oh there wants me. Um, anyway, wow, yeah, yeah, so, right, yeah, uh, so, yeah, maybe I'll just say yeah and write a lot, yeah, right, yeah, uh, so, I don't know, it's, uh, it's so much going on to think about with all this, and I have a lot of sort of emotions and opinions and then I have thoughts that are logical and others that aren't. And I'm just trying to sort of sort through them. And let's just do that without any sort of organization because otherwise it wouldn't be the yeast if it was an organized uh, bunch of thoughts. So, First of all, I think we're at war, and I I don't know. I think the Republicans know that we're in a culture war, and I don't know that the Democrats really understand it. Maybe it's kind of like we're in an abusive relationship and we still are in love with our partner or something and think it's going to be okay and the marriage is going to work out. But this is a war now. I mean, I think what's really uh, sort of evident sort of makes this obvious is, you know, when you look at what Clarence Thomas said in his concurring opinion, which is basically, um, uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, all right. Sorry. I was reading tweets. Shame on me. Um, what does this say? President Joe Biden criticized the U.S. Supreme Court ruling overturning the landmark Roe v. Wade decision on abortion, saying the health and life of American women are now at risk, and that the top court was taking the country back 150 years. Yeah, but what are you going to do about it? See, this is this is the issue. So, I have a lot of conflicting things because part of me, you know, sees a lot, uh, sort of ascribes a lot of blame to the Democrats, and part of me you know, says, well, you really shouldn't blame yourself, yourselves. You really have to blame the real enemy, which are the Republicans, because the Democrats really, they, they want to keep abortion legal. Well, most of them, some don't. But yes, I think you have to sort of, I hate to use the word nuance, but this is very nuanced. 
Um, it's easy to just sort of look, turn inward and blame your own kind, your own people, which is what I usually do, to be honest. But that's also what a lot of the sort of external disinfo propagandists want us to do because they want to break us up and they've been successful. Break us up meaning not just Democrats versus Republicans, but Democrats versus Democrats, which is what I think a lot of the, the disinfo folks are trying to do is split us you know, divide and conquer because divided Democrats are basically nothing. Um, you know, I'm conflicted. I'm very, am I recording? Let me see. I'm very conflicted because yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted. So I'll just tell you the, the different sides of what I think. And hopefully my lesbian wife won't come home from her, uh, pool party, her lesbian pool party. Um, she's at the Hollywood beach, you know, while I'm working quote unquote. And, yeah, I was at the pool. I stopped at the pool in my lunch, and uh, um, there were only two other people there. I think all the women are upset. It was two guys and me, a lesbian, and then that was it at the pool. And the pool's usually jammed, but I don't usually go on a Thursday morning, Friday morning. And there's some guy, and he's on the phone in the pool. There's something very annoying about that. Like, you're not really present. You're not in the pool if you're on the phone. You know, he's talking about, I think he was a doctor or something. Anyway. But, okay, so here's my thoughts. So one of them is, okay, so first of all, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she fucked up. And it's really just gross when people post, like, quotes from her when this shit happens. Like, a woman's right to choose is blah, 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 the foundation. But yeah, Like, dumb bitch, you should have left. You had cancer, like, 73 times. You should have left. So I know you're dead. We can't do anything about it. And a lot of the criticisms of Democrats are things that you really can't do anything about because they're in the past. Like, Yes, the 2016 election was huge. And if Hillary had won, everything would be different right now because she would have voted for pro-choice uh, court members. Um, and yes, uh, and, and if you look at me, my history, I, I was very critical of Hillary, but I did vote for her, and the reason was for SCOTUS. The reason was because of the Supreme Court. I looked on my Instagram, and people are critical of me because I'm always criticizing the Democrats. True, but you know what? In the end, I... I always vote for Democratic candidates, so I make no apologies for the fact that I'm cr critical, and I never let them take my vote for granted. And I'm never—I'm not going to say I'm going to vote for Biden again, you know, because I want to—I'm not going to unless. Well, that's another story. But the thing is, yeah, but you don't, you know. And then you have these people saying, "Well, you got to vote, you got to vote," and then my gut reaction says, "Well, yeah, I should vote to fix this," but. You need a voting booth and a time machine to fix it because votes today aren't going to do shit because now we're fucked for a generation, which is true. <coughs> uh, we're fucked for at least a generation, I think. But, but, or you could fight, right? Fighting. So that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about, war. So this is what upsets me today about Democrats because you can say, okay, we should have voted in 2016. Maybe well, we should have codified Roe. All that stuff is hindsight and it's completely worthless really because we don't have a time machine. We don't even know if you can travel back in time. We don't know. We don't know if that's even possible. So I think it's pretty unlikely to get a time machine any sooner than, uh, yeah, you know, I think actually we could probably, you know, change the makeup of the court in faster than a time machine, much faster than we can get a time machine. I think that's going to take a lot longer. Yeah, 
Uh, we don't even know if time travel is possible. And if it was, we'd probably have a lot of visitors from the future. So we don't have any that I know of that, that I've seen, you know. Everybody's too dumb to, to you know, be from the future, I think. Maybe, maybe unless, yeah. Yeah. Was that my door? I don't think so. When I got home, there was two packages. The FedEx, they just leave them at the door outside. And it sucks because there are these package thieves now. I go to the next door. I joined it again because I missed Karening. And, and they say and there are these black trucks that follow FedEx around and they just steal packages. <laughs> and um, it's interesting because FedEx does tend to make it easy for them. So that could be a racket. Who knows? Um. Anyway, but like fight. This is what I was saying on Twitter yesterday. Like people love Zelensky because he's fighting. You know, he's there. He could have flown. He could have flown the coop. Sorry, chickens, but he didn't. He's fighting. You know, he's there. He's risking his life and arguably his family's life to fight the Russians. And people love that. It's very heroic. It's very action movie. Americans love all that heroic American shit. Well, he's not American, but you know what I mean. Like just macho shit. And I think it's precisely. Because Biden is just a huge pussy, and the Democrats are huge pussies. That that the he has a record low poll ratings because he's the opposite of a hero. He's a just he's just a pussy. I don't know how else to put. I'm sorry if pussy is bad. Pussy, where is that clip with the pussy? But pussy, pussy, pussy. <laughs> not that one. Pussy, pussy, pussy. He's a pussy, pussy, pussy. He's a pussy. Pussy, pussy, pussy. And. That's the opposite of a hero. A pussy, 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 pussy is the opposite of a hero, right? My name is Sequoia Williams, and my baby's name is Sincere Person. I forget about a Sincere Person. That's not. That's not it. That's not what I was even talking about, audience. I wasn't. wasn't talking about Sincere Person. Um, yeah. So, so, um, fight. Fight. What is the harm in it? You know, it expand the court. At least try. You know, maybe, yeah, people say, oh, it's not possible. So you're just not going to try? That's the problem with Democrats. They're not fucking trying. Try to expand the party. See, they had this opportunity. I've talked, to it before, talked about it before on the show. Like, there was this window of opportunity that he could have used to, to sway the court and make them change their mind. He didn't do any of that. Whoever leaked that Supreme Court uh, draft did it in vain because they Biden did nothing with that. He could have, you know, used that to say, "Look, we're going to expand the court if you do, fucking do that ruling." And he should have act, worked on. So what if it fails? You know, but try, try in earnest. You know, get all you have to do is fucking say, "Oh, look, we're going to stop the filibuster. I'm going to get Mansion and Cinema on my side, or two Republicans, and we're going to fucking destroy. We're going to fucking." You know, change the makeup of the court so that this shit doesn't happen now. And they could have used that as leverage. So, again, that's in the past, but that's in the recent past. But they could still, they have a few months before Democrats, before the election. They could technically still um, end the filibuster and um, expand the court. They could do it really quickly. Just fight. Do something. Be creative. The Republicans are always being creative, like the way they rejected uh, Merrick Garland when Biden nominated him. I mean, he should have been able to appoint him and they scam. You know, they're just creative and scammy. They're they're not fighting. I, I just just fight in earnest. Right. Fight. Do something, you know, get, you know, make people like 
protest cinema mansion get them on your side i don't you know that shit's kind of a scam anyway i mean there's always like these scapegoats just work your ass off like lyndon johnson did get dirt on people make them change their mind play fucking dirty because this is serious shit it's that it's so serious that you have to play dirty right because they play dirty and and the 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 shit's that we just lost the the right to abortion is serious. That's women's health care, and it's it's Orwellian and horrible. And now, what Clarence Thomas said in his concurring opinion is that Obergefell, which is the right that I the the Supreme Court decision that my that gave me my marriage, that that was an error. Clarence Thomas said so they could easily and likely overturn that ruling, and and I lose my fucking marriage, right? And so will millions of other people. And really, by the same argument, I think my personal theory is that Clarence Thomas just hates his fucking batshit wife and just wants, you know, the the racial, the uh, the interracial marriage to be back. Ba- that should be banned too. What a fucking kookaloo, you know? Because the same logic is going to ban his own fucking marriage, right? So maybe it's just a way for him to get a divorce cheaply. I don't know. But look at what's at stake. Look at what's at stake. And see, this is where we have a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you don't, you know, if you don't fight, then you're going to make it more likely that people are going to not vote for you and then we're going to have bigger losses. So people will see Biden doesn't fight. They give up on the Democrats even more and then we lose more rights and then the Democrats lose more because they're not fighting anymore and it's just, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of shit. Now, on the other hand, and this is where I get conflicted, I also see the other side, which is, it's not really the other side, but, um, you know, we do have a system. We have a, we, we have what we have. You know, we have a two-party system. We have a Democrat and Republican base. They're both very basically conservative. Um, they're controlled by corporations. They suck. They don't get anything done that they promise. But it's the system we have, and we have to work inside of it. So I'm thinking that at the same time, I'm still going to vote for Democrats, right? I'm not just going to let the system burn, right? I, I don't think so. That's I'll probably change my mind a million times. At this point in time, you know, I, I am conflicted because when it comes to health care, I don't want to vote for Democrat. I want to show them, look, I'm going to pull my vote because by pulling my, I'm totally conflicted. You know what? I don't know what the fuck, but I'm pulling my, I want to pull my vote and say, look, like I think Bernie shouldn't have endorsed Biden because maybe because then, you know, he loses his leverage when he says, okay, well it's, it's all just fake. You know, my whole Medicare for all thing, all the stuff, you know, that my people, that people voted for me for is all just bullshit because in the end, you know, you can count on my vote for, for the standard bearer, you know, and and then, like, that's the other thing, because I feel like the other reason why Biden's uh, poll ratings are so low is because we he wasn't really the organic candidate. He wasn't really who people wanted, but the, he was foisted upon us. Bernie was winning by a huge amount. And then the DNC with Obama, I believe, behind it, I believe, meaning conspiracy theory, I guess. I don't think it's proven. Maybe it is said, oh, no, we got to, this is our last chance. We need to get Biden. We need to prop up Biden. We can't have Bernie the socialist there and, you know, and you know make our donors angry. So, because he wants to tax corporations, blah, blah, blah. So he pulled out all the boring conservatives like uh, Klobuchar and Buttigieg and then, you know, 
gave, yeah, basically gave, concentrated the votes to Biden, and then he won. It was a ripoff. Most people didn't even get to have a serious vote for uh, in that primary of 2020. So, so that's fucked. Anyway, but that's another story. But at the same time, we're stuck with what we have, and I need to say, well, we do need more Democrats because it's we do need more Democrats because we need like 60 in the Senate to be able to do shit, which I guess is a real majority. They call it a super majority. But then you'll still have the two. So if we have 60, we really will need 62 because there's always going to be the two phony baloney people who won't vote because they want power. I don't know. You know what? I'm talking myself around this. So, I mean, would we ever have enough power? Is it possible for Democrats to vote for enough power when we're so disjointed? And I mean... I think the problem is really the whole system is of capitalism is that you can come in. I mean, Obama came in as as a real socialist in the beginning. He had such great ideas and he just turned out, you know, they get they get bought out. A- AOC, I think, is getting bought out, too. You know, it's so easy because, you know, when you just dangle a carrot of wealth in front of somebody like they have wealth and fame and the Met Gala or you can be poor and have your your, you know, basically be Bernie, uh, most people will choose wealth. You know, that's why so many people get corrupted. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But, you know, it's like I see these people like Sarah Feigenholz, who's my state rep, or she's my state senator now because the old state senator is now in jail, John Cullerton for me. Oh, it's what a fucking mess, these Democrats. And so she said, you know, how she was so despondent. And somebody said in her on her Facebook, you know, we need to fight, fight, fight. I said, how? And she said, well, I'm on this committee and I'm voting. You know, I'm volunteering for this. I'm trying to get this one elected. And these people are working really hard to get Democrats elected. And, and I feel for them. And I, I've, I, I'm impressed. You know, I think it's good that they're doing what they're doing. You know, they're working. They're really trying. They're doing what, what they know how to do. But I don't know. Is it too late? Maybe. But I, yeah. Or will it really work? Will I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I don't think the Supreme Court, the way our system is, the Supreme Court is so fucked for so long that voting, oh boy, it's going to have a, it's going to take 50 years before this thing goes back. And the, it sounds like gay marriage is in the shitter. So maybe the right thing is to just fucking burn down the system because 50 years is too fucking long. You know, I don't know, audience. I'm completely at a loss, completely, completely at a loss. It's just so fucking disturbing. But we have to fight. That I know. Biden has to fight. He's the fucking president. If he wants us to vote, he has to show that he has fine in him. And same with the other Democrats. Real fight. They got to do something drastic, something big, like expand the court, like end the filibuster or really fucking try and really, really hard. You know, and do what you have to do to get people on your side. Expose their dirt. Get dirty. Find out who their mistress is and fucking work underground and, you know, and make the phone calls you have to do and be fucking, be Lyndon fucking Johnson, you little bitch. Don't just be a pussy. Go on, put my big cock in your pussy. Go on, put my big cock in your pussy. Go on, put my big cock in your pussy. Pussy, 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 pussy. Pussy, 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 pussy,
What did Deborah send me? Uh, busy, busy, busy. Let me see here. Let me switch my audio input. And uh, this is random. I don't know what she just sent me. So excuse me. Wait, that's not the right holder. Why did it go into the wrong holder? Oh, because I did the wrong holder. Let's try that. The fuck is that, Deborah? I can't hear that shit. Uh, Deborah, it's too quiet. I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know what you're sending me, Deborah. Let's see, what is this? Joining the Alito opinion were Justice Clarence Thomas, appointed by the first President Bush and the three Trump appointees, Justices Neil Gorsuch. By the way, the thing, one thing that really bothers me about the abortion sort of discussion, it, what is that? I don't know if that's my wife coming home. I hate when people say killing babies as abortion because it's just wrong. A baby is after birth. I think we could g gain a lot in this argument if we would make people, you know, use correct English, because when you change the definition of things, you're in the land of mistruth and you can't really have a discussion. So if they want to be anti-abortion for whatever reason, fine, but don't call it a fucking baby. Don't call me a baby killer. Call me a fetus destroyer because it's not a fucking baby. Get a dictionary. It's a fetus. It's not a baby until it's outside of the fucking body. Okay. It's a fucking fetus. So don't call me a baby killer. Call me a fetus killer. I will accept that. But don't call me a baby killer. Don't. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Uh, I'm just chatting with Reagan to see if he happens to be free right now, though I doubt it. All right. Um, I want to read a letter from Roger Smalls. Now, I have been told that a lot of people uh, don't like when I have bleary read the letter and then I read it again. People say that it's boring to read it twice. So I will not have bleary do it this time. However, I will say this. If you disagree with this person who shall remain nameless, then... Um, Please feel free and put it in the comments, yeastradio.com. I love comments. I love feedback. But please put it in the uh, vagina holder, right? The holder. Um, oh, okay. Reagan says he needs an hour. Okay. Um, text me when ready, please. Okay, so I'm going to read this letter from, so maybe we'll have Reagan, I don't know, we'll see. I'm going to read this nice email from um, uh, Roger Smalls, and the the um, uh, the subject is um, Gittelbarn. What? Gittelbarn. Gittelbarn. No, it's not Gittelbarn. Reptile dysfunction. I'm going to a play tonight. Uh, it's called a fine feathered murder mystery. You can Google it. It should be real fun. It's like uh, sort of a spoof of those Agatha Christie style things. Dearest Madge, I found pleasure and relief with your recent grums with Hag Arthur and Ninja. 
I found the discussion with Ninja educational and hope you have her on as a guest soon. I could not find a link to her podcast. How do I find it, please? I think it's Hot Fossils and Rebel Matters, right? Let me look. Let's look in my Pocket Cast. I use Pocket Cast. Oh, I hear somebody outside being annoying. Uh, Ninja. Well, that's a, it's a podcast. It's supposed to be like that. It's not a fucking studio. Hot Fossils. Oh, Rebel Matters. Matters? My Pussy Matters? I can't fucking find it. Oh, my God. I don't know. Where is it? Rebel Matters Podcast. Rebel Matters Podcast. Just Google that, okay, Roger? Rebel Matters Podcast. Is that it? Oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. Huh. Oh. Let's <laughs> oh, my God. Ninja... Hot Fossils and Rebel Matters. Oh, Potomatic. Let's see, is this it? God, I suck. Hold on. Yeah. Hot Fossils. What the fuck? This is from 2011. Yeah, I see what you mean, Roger. This is kind of hard. All right, let me look at an email from hers. No wonder Roger can't. Oh, I just lost Roger's email now. Ninja. Let me see, because I think she has it. Ninja. Boostergrams. Rebel Matters. Okay, it's www. Don't forget that part. Ninja-radio.com. Right? Yeah. Ninja-radio.com, Roger. Jesus, that was hard. Yeah, that's fucking hard. Oh, boy. Okay, uh, Reagan says 30 minutes. That's good. Uh, it's so hot, I don't think my record player works. Last week, I don't know if you noticed, but if anybody listens to the shit at the end, there was a big skip part. It skipped over part of the record because my record, I think it gets humid or something. I don't know how to rebalance the thing, you know, the the needle. I don't, I'm afraid to touch the, the controls for that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do. Okay, anyway, um, right. So, right. So, right. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Sylvia Brown. Oh, yeah. Okay. How do I find it, please? Well, I answered that. Ninja-radio.com. I'm sure I'm not the only member of your general audience who wishes to hear more of her work. It resonated with me when you complained to the Ninja about the state of modern podcasting, particularly how much you hated true crime and serial killer podcasts saturating the mainstream. I also liked it when you recorded your recent crime with Hagithar. He's spelling it wrong. Where you podcasted for 20 minutes about true crime and serial killers. Oh, you little bitch. Well... <laughs> Yeah. Do you like podcasts about serial killers or not? As you always say, you're allowed to change your mind. Well, I have, I did listen to serial, and I do enjoy them when they're about my family. Like, uh, I think it's Over My Dead Body, the one about my cousin. Um, I do hope you'll find a way to make money in podcasting so you don't have to work anymore. Yeah, really. That ship has sailed. You could do what I do and be unemployed, then you'll never have to work another day in your life. Yeah, I live in America, honey. Oh, no, she's home. I did think one idea of how most podcasts... That's her... That's her radio. Can you hear? The Sonus. She's got the Sonus Rome on the bike. Fuck. And she don't turn it off. Even though she's in the back alley. 
I did think one idea of how most podcasters can make $100,000 overnight, how? Podcasters could simply sell all their redundant and unused podcasting equipment. Well, that's true. It does seem that most podcasters believe that buying thousands of dollars of unnecessary crap will earn them more fans. Or they just like the gear, like me. I was joking with that, a ninja. But I don't care if they have a new uh, potentiometer and neon sign for no reason. This is very distracting. I'm sorry. It's also about what they say and how they keep me company. No one subscribes to Joe Rogan to hear about his, his latest gold cables or brand new gold sound effects machines. They subscribe to learn about how to eat bugs on game shows, see Joe's monkey nipples, and reinforce their own viewpoints and conspiracy theories. It's what you talk about, not how much you spend on electrical appliances. You should sell some of it and retire and buy a sports car. I must go. I'm having undisclosed problems. Yours in yeast, Roger. Yeah, but the problem is the gear is what really keeps me interested in the show. I don't know what else to say about that, Roger. I like it. I know it's not necessary. She's singing. Well, I'll be back with Reagan. Shut up. All right. I'm recording. Hi. Hey, I found Reagan audience. I found her. But Oh, you already recording your show, huh? Yeah, is that okay? Or do you need to mm-hmm. give me some ground you need to lay down some ground rules? No. I was just talking no, I was well, calling no, you. Well clearly the ground rules no abortion during the grum. Why? Because no more abortion. But I'm in Illinois and you're in California. Yeah, that is true, I guess. No, I was just calling you and then that whole thing happened, but to the audience, you instantly appeared as soon as I, as soon as I, uh, is it beckoned? Is that the word? Beckoned you? Summoned you? I don't so know. So I just, I just woke up because I'm in California, right? And we're two hours behind where you are, but. Uh, but that's still I, like noon, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, 11, 11.40. Don't judge me. I took a Benadryl last night. Oh, okay. Okay, Debbie. So the thing that I have yeah. to say about this is Tammy Dussois's baby would be 34. Who's that? Tammy Dussois is this, I, the, you know what? It's such a, it's such an interesting story that I hadn't thought about until this morning. And I have to say, I am really, I, I, I don't know how to put my finger on it because I know that this decision was leaked and we all had time to kind of prepare for it. But I, there's something just different now that it's actually official. Yeah. And I know the psycho- the psychology behind that is very awkward, and it might be a defense mechanism when things were initially leaked, where it's like, I can't believe something so awful would actually come to fruition, and that these justices were allowed to lie under oath, yeah. and there are going to be no repercussions. I mean, it just blows my mind. But mm-hmm. let me briefly tell you about Tammy Dussiswell because I haven't thought about her in years. So okay. there was this girl in my class in elementary school and in middle school named Tammy Dussiswell. Dussiswell. And uh, she was different. I mean, she was just a little slow mm-hmm. and, but not, still functioning you know like and still you know but everybody kind of treated her different and they made fun of her because she was kind of awkward and yeah 
And so in middle school, we were in a home economics class together because I'm a faggot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I I sat next to her and I really enjoyed her. You know, she had she had I just enjoyed her. Yeah. And but long story short, one of the most popular guys in the class ahead of us, I think his name is Brandon Martinez. He went and he had sex with her. And I guess because, you know, if you're like the most popular guy in your class and you're having sex with Tammy Dusseswaugh, who's a year under you and every, all the kids kind of pick on and make fun of you're doing it in kind of a, you're using her. Right. And, and, and and maybe manipulating her because she's not as like intellectually developed as everybody else. And she's, you know, we're only in middle school on top of that. So at any rate, Tammy Dusseswa got pregnant and Tammy Dusseswa's parents sent her off. Um, and she had to have the baby and we never saw Tammy Dusseswa again. And I was doing the math and I realized, holy shit, like I'm 46 and Tammy Dusseswa's baby, baby, baby is 34 and i guess the first thing that made me think about it was holy shit somebody a 46 year old woman has a 34 year old child which just seems really abnormal and then and then i started it wasn't until i was talking with you that i started adding all the layers to it like Oh, yeah, she was, you know, she had some intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so it's even more. (laughs) Like, this is somebody who can't properly raise a child. And and I remember her parents got her like an apartment. The rumor was her parents got her an apartment on Telephone Road, which uh, in Houston, I guess, was not you know, definitely on the wrong side of the tracks in Houston. I don't think they wanted much to do with her. After after she had the baby. Yeah. So why does this make you think about abortion? Because there are so many Tammy Deuces was Mm -hmm. and and beyond Tammy Deuces was, you know, I, I, one of the first tweets that I read when I woke up 10 minutes ago (laughs) is, uh, how this will impact disabled. Like it was a queer disabled woman mm-hmm. saying how this will impact queer disabled women. And, and then, and then disabled women mm-hmm. more largely who will, who are now forced in many States to deliver a child and it mm. will kill them. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, they're just, there's, there's so, so many. many layers. There's so many nuances. And I think that the nuances to pregnancy and childbirth are exactly why you have to permit abortion. But it's too late. What about this? Remember this? Wait. I lo- Sorry. I well, as you're doing that, I'll say to all the men, have... Wait. <laughs> That's the, I have to wait for it to recycle. You'll get. It. I hate the Supreme Court. <laughs>
What is it? I didn't hear anything. Mink stole from a serial mom. Oh, I think maybe. No, I, I didn't hear it. I have fun, pay, have fun paying for all this, yeah, man. You'll have hear fun it, paying yeah. for all this. Um, oh, no. I wanted to tell you. So of all the stupid memes, one struck me really uh, hard, which Shannon R. Watts said the same SCOTUS that yesterday. I'm sorry. The same SCOTUS that said yesterday that states don't have the ability to regulate guns today gave the states the power to regulate women's bodies. Yeah. I mean, God, it's such a fucking uh, well you know how I the know. i i listened to the daily podcast mm-hmm. and it gave some background I read, and got I to heard it some of the arguments being made and yeah i heard uh, it as well so i'm gonna liken this what i'm about to say to teaching okay. and, and i'll give you the analogy before i give you what the supreme court case uh that led to the gun mm-hmm. the concealed carry law or not law judgment okay so i have found that in semesters that i'm teaching the more i make exceptions to certain rules in class the more people take advantage of it and i always go oh no the more uh, people don't screw with me when i'm more hardcore like give an inch and take a mile right yeah and so with the gun ruling what got us in this muff up (laughs) to begin with was that New York said, okay, no concealed carry, no, you know, none of that in public. Mm -hmm. Except we're going to make some exceptions. So if Nick Starr is stalking his husband, Mm -hmm. which is not happening, I'm just, you know, I'm just using it as a hypothetical example. It probably is happening, but yeah, we don't know of it. (laughs) I, I don't know of it. Right. Uh, then, 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 or, or if if his husband is stalking him, if anybody's being stalked right. by anybody, you can go to the court and you can say, "I'm being stalked, and I I feel like I need this gun for self defense in public." Sure. And yeah. so, what the attorney said, and it's a very convincing argument. The guy who was arguing against the state of New York where he said, if you look at other rights that we have enshrined in the Constitution, Mm -hmm. they don't Mm -hmm. say, like, your freedom of speech. Yes, we can curtail freedom of speech. Like, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater because the clear and present danger. But nobody has to go to the court and say, okay, here's a special scenario where I would like to use my First Amendment rights. Right. right. And and um, and same thing with freedom of religion and freedom of the press. Like you don't have to go to a court and make a special case to practice these rights. So what got New York in trouble and by extension now states like California is that they tried to do that with gun rights. Mm-hmm. And the more you do that and, and it was like in good spirit. Right. Okay. Like. Right. <laughs> like the gun people, the gun advocates were probably like, well, people may need a gun in special mm-hmm. circumstances. And the state of New York was like, okay, that makes sense. So let's make these special circumstances. But that ended up being a trap, right. a rhetorical trap right. that was weaponized and used against. So no, don't, no, no special rules, no special 
you can't give an inch. You know, I was reading, so I found this article, I tweeted yesterday, but like, because they, I was looking at the actual text of the Second Amendment, and it uses that old style syntax. I don't fucking understand it. Because like, it's that confusing syntax with way, way too many commas. And it says, let me just read it, because it's just weird. And then I found this long ass article, which you should read, because you're smarter than me, and you'll understand it, because it's all about the, the it's in depth, it's really a linguistic discussion on these four possible things that they could have meant. But in the end, they basically said, well, it's really up to the history historians to determine what they meant. Um, but the, the second, hang on, sorry. Let me just Google. Well, while, while, while you're pulling that up, one of the things uh, that the, one of the arguments that was made by the state of New York was that if you look at the way things are written, they're saying that you have a right to bear arms in the context of a militia. Right, right. So this is what the, the Second Amendment literally says. A well, literally, literally, a well, literally. a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right to of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the... It's it's like two separate thoughts, so it's a little confusing. You know what I mean? Well, but, I, yeah. I understand that. Okay, I mean, explain it. Well, my interpretation of that would uh-huh. be they're saying that you can have the right to bear arms... Yeah. In the context of a well-regulated militia, and the reason why you would have that militia is to protect your state. Right, but it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms. So who are the the people? The the militia is composed of everyday people. Mm -hmm. So you look at it in the context of the United States breaking Mm -hmm. from colonial rule right yeah yeah. and so it's an uprising of the people against an autocratic government yes that's Mm -hmm. not allowed that is not giving opportunities for everyday people who are forming these militias Mm -hmm. to get proper representation in the ways that they're governed and yeah so that makes sense to me but why would all these intelligent members of the Supreme Court for many years, because this isn't the first time that they've had to examine this. Why would they interpret it that this means everybody has the right to bear arms? So for this any is, reason. This is what I this is what I uh, came to understand from the podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm not a constitutional expert. Um, my knowledge of uh, yeah. the Second yeah. Amendment is probably as extensive as yours. But um or anybody's really. No, uh, th- no, okay. So the argument that they made is that it's that if you look at court rule, if you look at precedent, yeah, that yeah. Um, the way the Supreme Court has interpreted this right to bear arms um, mm-hmm. goes beyond the context of a militia and deals with personal safety. Right. And right. so the reason why the framers are discussing a right to militia is because they need to be guaranteed safety from any type of um, any force that might infringe their rights. But that's clearly not what the Second Amendment intends, because it says being necessary to the security of a free state. 
Right. Well, I mean, this is so there's a fundamental difference okay. in the United States. Right. Yeah. So you have people who believe you have an overwhelming majority of people who believe that guns are dangerous yeah. and that that they are deadly and that they need to be restricted. And but then you have people who think the exact opposite and think that but both issues are framed around safety, around mm. personal safety. And so the other people think, no, the only way you stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, even though data does not support that argument mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. Uh, so, so you have one data driven crowd and you have one that is just totally ruled by emotion. Yeah. Now, it's something yeah. that, that the Supreme Court, uh, a caveat to all of this is that the, what the Supreme Court is saying is that because um, one of the things that the New York uh, attorney said was that if you look if you look at precedent, one of the earliest precedents um, was that you can't you can't have you don't have the right to bear arms in fairs and marketplaces. Right. And yeah. And so that argument was basically saying that if you look at like that, there are certain spaces that are too dangerous to bear arms. And today we might think of those places as schools, um, uh, places where alcohol is served. And so basically what the Supreme Court is saying is that you can regulate by space, Mm -hmm. but you cannot regulate by individual. Right. But don't you think that's, I heard that too, but don't you think that's just a slippery slope? Like that's how they're sort of intellectually getting away with it like oh yeah we can still regulate by place but it was just like scalia in 2008 or whenever they did heller said well you can still regulate guns but we're going to make it at home and then so then but you can have them at home but you can still regulate outside the home so now they're saying well you can't regulate outside the home but you can regulate it in a by certain places and then the next case will be like nope can't regulate by place either i mean right they seem to keep chipping away at it and I agree. Anyway, um, but what about the AR-15? Because nobody's been able to answer my question, which is why the fuck does anybody need one who is not in the military? Nobody just, does. Nobody does. The only reason, the only, does. the only answer I've gotten was that people use that farmers needed to kill feral hogs, right? Because you get a lot of those, which is stupid. But whatever. But why? Why aren't they? Why do they get away with it? It's a fucking obvious thing. Like they kill small children, they decapitate small children. There's no reason to have them. Yeah, and just so just give everybody a nuclear let, weapon. Let's pause. Like, let's pause a little bit because that's not what you just said is not hyperbole. I know you understand it's not hyperbole, but right. I, it's important oh, for your yeah. listeners to understand that these kids who were killed in Uvalde. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, the good guys with guns sat outside while all of this was going on and refused to go into the school. Right. They were they were literally many of them were like decapitated yes. by what was happening by being shot by right. an AR-15. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so we are. It's obscene. It, 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 it is. I, I don't know what to make of it. Do you think uh, they should show? Like yes. footage and pictures, yes. I do too. One hundred percent that they should show pictures of what happens to the bodies because you have to see it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna make a law, if you're gonna allow these things, then you have to be responsible for what they're what they do. 
So there's um, in, in rhetoric, there is there are these two concepts called incorporation and disincorporation. And incorporation is when you make the body salient in an argument. So like think about during Hurricane Katrina when we saw bodies floating mm-hmm. in the water, right? And how stunning that image was. Yeah. And and then so the opposite of incorporation is disincorporation where you render the body as insignificant. So an example of that would be remember during the Iraq with the second Iraq war. Yeah. Uh, when George W. Bush said, okay, we're not going to show pictures of the caskets coming back. And it was the first time in U.S. history where we've been involved in a war that that wasn't allowed. And obviously it's a strategy that his administration was using because he wanted to make people immune to the implications of war. Like our kids die when we send them over. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what you're talking about with these kids' bodies is, and it's exactly the reason why Emmett Till's mother had an open casket funeral. So you could see his face Mm, or or how disfigured it was, right? And think about, because Emmett Till's lynching, not the lynching, but the, the open casket funeral is really the catalytic event that started the civil rights movement. Absolutely. And then that makes me think of the Billy Holiday's song, Strange Fruit, which was oh, yeah. basic, which was inspired by that. And that lives to that echoes today of that experience. That's a really good point that how that can really just sink into the public consciousness in a totally well, different th- way. Think of what, hap- what has happened, the strategy by people on the far right when we don't show these images where you have that horrible guy who does Infowars, Alex Jones. Trebek or whatever, oh, yeah. Jones. Um, Alex Trebek is dead. <laughs> By an AR-15 and a botched abortion. Mm. No, but uh, how he, they're allowed to spread these conspiracy theories and call it, what is it, red flags? And Yeah. Yeah, I, like I had to unfriend this woman who I went to middle school with, who went to middle school with me and Tammy Dussois, who... Uh, her name's Charity, and she was one of the cool girls. I think she was actually two grades ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And after Sandy Hook, she claimed that, or not Sandy Hook, the, the uh, Dave Hogg one in Florida. Yeah, the one in, um, I forget what they call it. Yeah, yeah but uh, she claimed that it was all staged, and he was actually a student in California. And I was like, I can't do this. You're, it, it is That's so offensive terrible. to me. It's like Holocaust denial. Yeah. It is it's the same thing. It is so disgusting mm-hmm. that there are people. But I mean, I psychologically, I kind of get it because it's easier to believe in this conspiracy theory than it is to believe in this really horrific reality where you send your kids to school and they get slaughtered. Um, but if we were forced to show the pictures there are still people who would do that do that but it makes it a lot more difficult to think about these school shootings in abstract terms you know when you hear about uvalde and you even when you read about it it's it's still abstract right i was trying to find the pictures and i can't and it's really hard to find pictures just on google of what an ar-15 does to a human body they're they're few and far between 
and the ones you find there's it's it's almost looks censored to me like i can't even with safe search off like i could find a picture of a woman sucking off a horse you know way easier not that i would search for that but it's way easier to find that than it is to find what these fucking weapons do well, to human beings. Can, human let's talk about this paradox for a second. Okay. Have you seen that movie? This film is not yet rated. No, I don't think so. Okay. It's a documentary that came out probably 16 or 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's about how the MPAA does its rating systems mm-hmm. and how, how films get rated. And basically, you know, like if you show a little bit of breast, then it's going to be rated R. But then you can have like a PG movie where all these people are being blown up and killed and their heads chopped off. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and so think about the irony of this situation where in popular media, sex is a no go, but it's much violence as we can take. Right. But in the real world, when it comes to the implications of real world violence. Yeah. People who profit off of that real world violence, make sure that all of that stuff gets hidden on the internet. Yeah. So you don't get to see how horrific it actually is yet. Pornography is everywhere. Right. And you can see that same violence as long as it's fiction. You can see it on, you know, in a movie. So what are we supposed to do with all this? horribleness you know what i mean like my issue is and as i've been talking about it for 20 minutes before you came on but like i'm so conflicted because part of me you know i i'm on these chats with like my state senator and stuff and and like there's groups of democrats and these are really like politically active people and some of them are actually hold public office and they're like well we have to fight we have to make calls we have to get more democrats more pro-choice democrats and and, and i i guess i agree with all that but god and then people say vote and i'm like yeah but if you want me to vote to fix this, you're going to need a voting booth and a time machine because we're really going to need to go back to 2016 because that's when the shit really mattered. And so now I just don't see like anything we do isn't going to really fix it for at least a generation if you're relying on the Supreme Court as is. And I think Biden is a, a huge pussy. And and I think that's why he's not popular, because he doesn't he doesn't try. Wait, I have a, I have a clip. Pussy, pussy, pussy. He doesn't fucking try. And it's just like so frustrating. And I made this comparison on Twitter to Zelensky. Like people love Zelensky because he fucking fights. You know, he he's a man. He fights. He's boom. I don't mean to be sexist, but, you know, he's like he's showing that he's fighting and people love that. That's the American hero thing. You know, like fight. And Biden's just like, I mean, even just now he he's like, oh, he's reacting. Oh, it's terrible. It's awful. It's awful. The abortion thing. But he doesn't say what we're going to do. We're going to fight this right now. He had that period of time between the leak and now to say, look, we're going to, you know, to to persuade them to change their mind. He didn't do anything to try, even try He's to not, persuade. He, yeah. So what we are we supposed ex- to fucking do? It's just, you know, well, but I don't want to just blame ourselves at the same time, you know, because it's not our fault. Well, one of the memes going on or going around right now is no donations until legislation, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is interesting. I have come to the end of the road with uh, corporate Democrats. Okay. And, and so in the last election, when I voted for Bernie Sanders, and then it became clear that even though primary Biden didn't win any debate, he didn't want you to like corporate Democrats rallied around him. And then suddenly the message became, if you don't support Biden, 
then you're to blame and the result is shaming. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is all happening under Biden's watch. Right. And mm-hmm. and I know that he does not control the Supreme Court, but there's a lot more that he, it, to your point, mm-hmm. after the decision was leaked. Like, okay, so our exchange yesterday on Twitter, you said something about Biden and I replied, I agreed with you and said Biden is so weak and he tries to please everybody, he tells yeah. everybody what they want to hear. So like when you look at Build Back Better and, you know, the progressives are upset yeah. and he's made all these promises to the progressives and he's meeting with the progressive yeah. wing and he's like, no, I understand what you're saying and it right. sucks. And he tries to be all things right. to all people. And as a result, he is nothing to anybody (laughs) exactly his fucking pussy matters i I want somebody with fight like that and so if you look at i hate trump he's awful he's the worst thing that has happened at least while i've been alive to the united states government Mm -hmm. but i will say this about trump and something that we're learning during the january 6th committee hearings is that trump when he wants something if somebody goes against yes. him and goes against the party line, he starts bringing yes. people into offices. Yes. He's like, let yeah. me tell you something. You're a That's wimp right. and I will get people against you. And yeah. and Lyndon Johnson was the same fucking way, which is how we got Medicare, Medicaid and the fucking civil rights shit, the voting rights bill or whatever the fuck it was, because he would go there and say, look, I, I know that you have a fucking mistress. And if you want people to find out about it, if you don't want people to find out about it, you better support this fucking legislation. That's how serious it is because my marriage is at stake. My marriage is very well will be annulled by the Supreme Court of the United States because of that jack off eating his pudding, being a lazy ass who shouldn't even be in fucking office because they stole it from Bernie and I'm fucking pissed. And you're just telling me all I can do is vote. And then Nancy Pelosi, I'm sure you didn't see this yet because you just woke up. She oh, had an abortion? No, yeah, she's a little old. She read a fucking poem. She read a poem. Oh, come on. She read a poem about how we're going to persevere. Uh, you know, like what? You're the fucking leader. No, we don't want somebody to help us get through the misery. I have a therapist. Well, I don't. But if I did, I would go to the therapist. <laughs> but I don't. So I don't need Nancy Pelosi to read me a poem. I've got Rachel Kant to read me a poem. You know, I agree. I need that. my leaders to lead and tell me what they're going to do. And they're just like, that's like the Democrats thoughts and prayers, right? Like, yes, a, it's the same you know, shit. version it's, of it. It's I, the I, same I, shit. And, and, that, and that's how much why of this? I'm, how much of this is Democrats that just want to use it as an opportunity to get more campaign cash? How much of this is all just the industry of campaigns? You know, that's yeah. what I wonder. Not even the donors. You know, that's another thing: the donors, the corporate donors. But how much of it is just the industry of campaigns and all of the other businesses that it feeds? You know. I mean, people make their livings off these stupid campaigns and running. Even if they lose, they still have a campaign. Ugh. But yeah, I agree uh, with I, you about he, Trump. You, he, we, he has fight. We need of, to fight back. of everything, though. I mean, abortion is to me is the scariest. Yes, mm-hmm. the scariest. It, it's just it. It's it's honestly going to cost people their lives. Yes, and. Uh, and you talk about freedom, and that's what the whole gun thing is. And the, 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 the two decisions being next to each other are really poignant and makes shit. Yes. It's like it's like fucking anybody should be able to see how I, they're making it obvious for us. 
You know, like, but like, because they're showing freedom matters so that you can kill people. But for your own fucking body autonomy, free, you don't have freedom. So freedom is just a fucking lie that means nothing except it's a way to get your argument. It's just a way to win whatever it is you want. Well, and why and why power. is our our legislators are so backwards? Mm-hmm. So and our courts are so backwards. So you look at some of the most pressing exigencies of the here and now. I don't know what an exigency uh, is. Like problems. Okay. Um, and gun rights would be one of them, but think of how backwards this is. So the decision that we have is actually the flip of what it should have been. Uh, but I guess we're getting some type of compromise legislation, but that compromise legislation, who knows how that will be weaponized against us in the future. And who knows if it'll even be, you know, constitutional according to the same court. We have major healthcare uh, disparities in this country mm-hmm. and and so and as this is happening we're t- limiting health care even more by defunding mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood and forcing women to have abortions even are forcing women to have uh, pregnancies um, and not have any type of body autonomy and then but but you look I mean I know I'm a broken record with this housing stuff mm-hmm. but the, the healthy level of what your income is versus the house that you can afford has historically been three to four times whatever the median income is should be the price of a house. So if you look at the 1990s, for example, when um, the median price of a home was probably about $200,000 and people were making on average about $50,000, right? Mm -hmm. The median cost of a home today is now eight or nine times the median income so you're saying it should be what percentage of median income what is so whatever your the the historical average the ratio is a home yeah your mortgage should be no more than three to four times your salary your annual salary the value and of so the I, home or the value of the mortgage? The value of the home. Sorry. The, okay. the value of the home. And so you, so, so 1990s, perfect example. So average price of a home, $200,000, average income about $50,000, right? So you're paying four yeah. times the, okay. the amount of you. your yeah. average salary, so right? Times. Now yeah. it's eight or nine times. So perfect. And, and actually kind of worse than that. So, if you look at California, the price of the median home right now is close to $900,000. And the average income is uh, around, I think, like $75,000. I mean, think about that. And so we don't, no politician is fucking talking That's about more this. more than 10 times, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of depends on state by state. But if you look at places yeah. like Austin and some of these kind of like, b-level cities they're now (laughs) their homes are getting to be as expensive as some of the most like new york and and so at any rate point being no politician is talking about this you don't see any big cases about this about like hey we should make it unconstitutional 
constitutional for corporate investors to come on or we need something to restrict Airbnbs or these short term rentals like these are things. These are meat and potato issues that affect the daily lives of people (coughs) and something that Democrats should be on top of. And it should be alarming to people that we have Biden as the president of the United States. We have Democrats supposedly in control of Congress and nobody is talking about these issues. And in fact, the the wedge issues that Democrats have historically used to get people to the polls, Mm -hmm. things like gun rights and abortion under their watch. Nothing has been done about it. Exactly. Like, I guess gun rights legislation, I shouldn't diminish that. I mean, at least that's... Well, they're fulfilling their promises, and we're not. Republicans are fulfilling their basis promises, their abortion, their gun rights, whatever, cutting taxes for rich people. They're doing, doing a lot for the minority base. rule and doing yeah. it via minority rule. And we are getting but shit let's not done. forget. We can't say this enough. Bush lost the popular vote mm-hmm. the first time he was elected. Trump lost the popular vote. Basically, mm-hmm. in the 21st century, every Republican who has been president of the United States has in their first term lost the popular vote. But that's how our Constitution is set up, though. What can you do about that? The whole way our structure, our government is ridiculous because of this way the Senate is two two votes per state. It's it's designed to fuck. Well, I I don't I I don't quite agree with that. I mean, and I see what you're saying. But when you look at gerrymandering, Mm -hmm. I don't think that the framers thought. Oh, no, I I don't mean that. I just mean the, the Senate thing. The fact that it's two votes per state. Regardless of but, population, but you can make the same argument about Congress, right? Mm. That Congress, if you look at the total votes cast yeah. for our representatives in Congress, mm-hmm. that more votes are cast for Democrats, even in even in terms where Republicans regain control right. of Congress because gerrymandering, gerrymandering. Okay, it, so so to take a step back now. I'm so conflicted with this because I agree about the corporate Democrats. I mean, you know how I've been talking about that and that I do. I'm tired of like them being able to take my vote for granted, regardless of, you know, because they're just going to threaten me with Trump or some other horrible shit. Say, well, we haven't done anything but Trump, you know, but abortion, but you know, gay rights. And then they're just sort of, it's like a protection racket to me, what the Democrats do. Like they're like, you know, the mafia is saying, okay, if we're not going to do anything for you, but we're going to, we're going to keep you from getting from us killing you. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, it's just a protection. It's a great metaphor. And I think like what, but on the other hand, I also understand the value of, you know, being pragmatic and saying, okay, we have to have enough Democrats, but I feel like, okay, if we hit that threshold of 60 Democrats, because we're not willing to do the filibuster, which is another story, there's still going to be, if we get 60, we're going to need, then they're going to say we need 62 because there's always going to be those two that they're either fake or they need power who are not going to go with the majority and they're going to hold all the power. So like we can't, we have to, we have to be creative you know, and just well, think sort of about, bend the rules think, like they do. I. What do you think, think we should do? The, well, think about the role that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert mm-hmm. play 
and that Josh Hawley guy yeah. uh, play in the Republican Party, the Freedom Caucus or whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, think yeah. about the role that they play yeah. in their party, where their party gets to roll their eyes at them and say, oh, gosh, that's not really representative of mm-hmm. who we are. But really, it kind of is. Of course it is. And, and so whenever whenever you see more progressive democrats who are like well i don't want to vote for this person and then they get pressured like well then we're going to get trump again and it's going to be your fault i i it's kind of like you look at the people who are voting for marjorie taylor green and you go wtf mm-hmm. the democrats need to just start doing that and and i think the more progressive wing of the depart of the party and see i'm just i don't know I'm what you so, mean the democrats should start doing that I, I don't know what you mean well that we need um like a Frankly, I don't find AOC. I know that she gets painted as this hyper progressive person who's out of touch. Mm-hmm. I don't I find her very logical. She's not on the same level as Marjorie Taylor Greene. No. I think that we need to legitimately where the party needs to be is where AOC is. Mm-hmm. And then we need actual fringe people actual fringe people who even when we hear them we're like that fucking person's crazy like i know that they're a super progressive democrat but that person's fucking crazy instead what we have is a majority wing of the party who are actually left of center and more conservative and that makes What should be the baseline of the party, what should be the baseline of the party, somebody like an AOC uh, or an Omar. Seem very loud. It makes them seem like, oh, they're wackadoos. They're not. They're completely logical. You never listen to, like, it's absurd to me that you hear people like Kennedy and Tucker Carlson when they start talking about AOC trying to make her seem so out of touch or like the shit that she's saying. Like, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about Israeli space lasers. Oh, she's an idiot. Yeah. And wanting to ban drag drag brunches and shit. Well, that I agree with. (laughs) But... How come they're able to keep so the unity as a party, right? How come they're able to stay unified as a party, even though they have whack jobs, even though they have Liz Cheney, who is vehemently against Trump, and you have the Trump people all in the same party, and the party's not falling apart; they're still intact. Whereas, well, we there's have, been a concerted campaign to get rid of Liz Cheney. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And look at what they did to Madison Cawthorn. I mean, who is awful, and I'm glad that he uh, did not get reelected. But I mean. I can't they, get his hairy asshole out of my mind. Did you see they did a chia, a chia of a chia pet of Madison Cawthorn's hairy ass? Did you see that? It's horrible. Chia pet. A guy. I mean, their party is just so absurd to me. Well, ours I, is ours is absurd for a different reason. Ours is absurd because they don't stand for anything. I think there's also an element of. And this is gonna, this is where I become wacky, but I don't care. Foreign interference, wacky. Like there is a wing of there are some certain branch of fringe Democrats who are just basically they're just basically laundering Russian propaganda. And I'm talking about Aaron Mate. I'm talking about Max Blumenthal and the Gray Zone. And they they 
just support Russia all the time. They echo Russia's talking points when it comes to Ukraine. They make fun of Zelensky's fight. They make fun of the fact that, you know, they're getting killed and calling it a genocide. They make jokes. Like, for example, Max Blumenthal tweeted this picture of uh, Ukrainians supposedly going to the beach. And you don't know what it is. It's a bunch of people at the beach saying, oh, so this is a genocide, right? Just like mocking the effort. And these are, these are people who call themselves left-wing fringe. And when anybody accuses them of being Russian propagandists, they just go after them like you can't believe. And people like Lady Bunny just retweet the hell out of them. I mean, she is absolutely certain that this is the right point of view. And Jimmy Dore, same thing. They're, they're like getting fed out of this spigot of laundered Russian propaganda. And I didn't believe it until the Ukraine stuff. And I was kind of in that circle myself, to be honest. But when I saw the way they reacted to the Ukraine invasion and they just didn't bat an eyelash that what they were saying was wrong and they switched talking points to exactly the next set of Russian talking points because at first, before the invasion, they said, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Then it happened. They said, we, they said, well, it's because of NATO. And they just, boom, they're just... And if you look at Wikipedia's entry on the gray zone, it just flat out tells you that it is Russian propaganda. It's not even disputed, right? And whenever I see, like, Max Blumenthal say something outrageous, which, like, like that, he'll say, like, oh, well, you're not, you, you should argue, don't, I, I will always respond with a screenshot from the Wikipedia entry from the gray zone where it just says all this. And then he'll, his, his bot supporters will say, like, oh, but, you know, you need to, when you, don't just, screenshot that that's too easy you need to you need to make logical arguments and explain why their arguments are, are invalid well how do you argue with a photograph of a beach you know what i mean how do you, you know it's just blatant propaganda they mock their their it's insidious and they will like slip in like like aaron mate who's gorgeous will make factual arguments against something i can't give you an example I, a specific example except he'll say like well you know the U.S. was wrong when they said this about this, but then they did this, right? And then they'll say, and but they support the coup in Ukraine, as if it's fact. The 2014 coup in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. It was not a coup. It was not a coup. But they use that as the assumption in the rhetoric. And it's very clever, and it's very propagandistic. So they'll, they sort of slip that into the bottom, so people like Lady Bunny will take that assumption, and she'll flatly tell you, oh, there was a coup in, there was a coup in Ukraine 2014 that the U.S. supported. It was not a coup. It was the, that the leader of Ukraine at the time was given the, that the people of Ukraine wanted to join NATO. The leader said, no, we're not going to join NATO. We're going to stay with Russia. We're going to stay with align with Putin. And the people voted him out. And yes, the U.S. supported that, but it was not a coup. The people of Ukraine wanted, did not want to be associated with Russia. They are scared of Russia. There is a famine that happened, the Holodor famine, where Russia, Stalin basically starved those people and took their, their food away. They have a history. And the same with all well, those little how, countries. Look at how they're fighting right yeah. now. That should be all of the evidence. Yeah. They thought yeah. that this was going to, Russia would be in and out. Right. But when you have people who are Absolutely. so vehemently opposed, that should be all the evidence that you need. But yeah. I mean, so my, my comp, uh, well, I wanted to, I want to just get to my point because I said all that for a reason. Yeah, 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 my, yeah, yeah. My point is just that with all that, that's dividing us in a very serious way as Democrats. So I'm just trying to figure out how do we stay intact with you. I don't know if you can agree or disagree that's Russian propaganda, but with that kind of divisive stuff, because I believe a, a foreign interference is coming in and dividing us specifically to to fulfill their aims which basically means trump is back you know well to, to me it is all about communication and I'm, i'll drive you crazy for a little bit mm -hmm. by 
talking about something academic, but one of the things I teach in rhetoric classes is something called the rhetorical situation. And the idea it doesn't is make that, me crazy. It's just that I'm not smart enough to understand half the shit. But I, I do. Well, I think I, I think I, like I think you'll understand. Okay. So th- there's a debate um, among rhetoricians in my field about are there certain situations that um, incite rhetoric, specific types of rhetoric. Like for instance, if you look at the uh, 9/11 attacks, right? Yeah. You would say that right after the attacks, that situation demands that George W. Bush comes out and addresses the country, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it it commands speech. Absolutely. But then there is another um camp of thinkers in my discipline who say, "No, no, 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 no." It's not situations that demand rhetoric. It's rhetoric that demands situations, mm-hmm. right? So people come up and they'll use public speeches, and then that kind of frames what's important to us at a particular particular time. So if you look at, like, using George W. Bush again, weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. weapons of mass destruction, he's using rhetoric to create a situation, but that situation is just kind of fictional. But then that situation then creates the illusion that we have to go in and invade Iraq, yeah, yeah. right, a country that hasn't invaded us. The reason why I bring this up right now is because I think it gets to what both of us are saying. It's the preemptive right. stuff, right? Preemptive. If you, well, not just preemptive stuff, okay. but because uh, I think of, well, I guess it is kind of preemptive stuff. So it, it's more like agenda setting. Uh, and so if you look at how Ukraine dominated the news cycle, like if you go onto Google News yeah. and for months and months and months, it, all the top stories were about Ukraine. You turn on cable television news and it's all stories about Ukraine and what's going on. We're all debating Ukraine. And I agree Ukraine is important and it should be part of the conversation. Sure. But we are so myopically focused in this country where and you've you've uh, kvetched about this on your show about other things like why aren't we discussing healthcare? Why aren't we right. discussing right. X or Y or Z? And I, I I really see your point in that because again I'll use the meat and potato metaphor. Mm-hmm. We don't have serious conversations about the meat and potato potatoes issues like we were talking about like it, it, it's um, oh who who does this? I think it's Dan Savage where he'll his big thing now with all the drag queen stuff is drag queen story hours at libraries is mm-hmm. any anytime a news story breaks about somebody in the church molesting a child he'll post that story and then his quote for the retweet will be look over there a drag queen look over there you know and and that's what we're doing yeah. we have known we have known for a month now about the abortion ruling that was impending until today. And rather than having serious conversations about this and thinking and talking about the specifics, why don't we have there should be there should have been emergency sessions in Congress yeah. where people are were ta- are talking about this in concrete terms. This is how this ruling will affect women's lives, right? We don't do that. What I said about the housing thing, and by the way, homeownership is the primary way in the United States that wealth is built and wealth 
is donated and most wealth in this country is inherited and so the fact that we are in this um crisis this housing crisis these are meat and potato issues that people fucking care about Mm -hmm. right in ukraine if we think that children going to school and getting shot by ar-15s that it's easy to make that abstract really let's let's be real when we're talking about the war in ukraine which is across the globe you think that u.s citizens don't think about that in the most abstract terms right they care more that ukraine is an issue to americans right now to the average american because of gas prices yeah that's right and yeah and other prices so if we think if if lady bunny um thinks that who i had to unfollow on facebook i still follow her on instagram Mm -hmm. but like debating ukraine america's involvement in ukraine is uh and normally she has her finger on the pulse of kind of like what does matter to average people things like health care and um I, I think that some of the issues that we latch on to, I think even the existential threat of um, global climate change, it's too abstract for people to latch on to. Yeah. And, and, our, and the way that we go about this is um, stupid. What we should be doing right now, instead of having a philosophical conversation about the existential threat of global climate change, which people are not persuaded by, mm-hmm. is we say... Look at what's happening with gas prices right now. We can the data shows right now that more people are buying electric and hybrid vehicles since even though they're impossible to get right now. And the um, buying trucks and, you know, these big gas guzzlers is plummeting the purchase of these vehicles. And um, and so what can we do right now? We need to mobilize as a country to make sure that these these auto manufacturers can get microchips. I just saw a thing yesterday about how Elon Musk is saying that his Austin plant is, and I think one in Germany, they're bleeding money because of the supply chain yeah, issues. Right, yeah. People care about this stuff. Don't frame getting rid of gasoline cars as this big moral stance that we're taking because we care about future generations because average everyday people aren't persuaded by that, unfortunately, right? I'm not saying that's right, but you turn this into an economic issue. This is ridiculous. Look at what gas companies are doing. They're price gouging and legislators aren't going to do anything about it. So let's make sure that you can get a a car that you can plug in, that you don't have to go to the gas station and spend $6 on gas whenever a gallon when you're filling up. If, if If you make the argument about you would be able to save x amount of dollars every annually on gas prices Mm -hmm. based on where gas prices are right now if you start talking about bottom line stuff that moves people yeah that's why katie porter when she comes out with that whiteboard and she starts she takes out the whiteboard and she does fucking math on it and and i you've i know you're familiar with her and i'm sure most of your listeners are because what is so impactful about that even though if you look at like everybody hated math in school and especially like a whiteboard can you get any more like school teacher and she's so like 
<laughs> dower, you know, herself and matronly, but it puts it into concrete terms where you go, holy shit, like that, it, that's super persuasive to me. Well, so why is, why is, why are these people so fucking out of touch? Is it just the gerontocracy? It's just, they're just fucking, I don't get it. Like, are they just, is it like Nancy Pelosi and her two refrigerators with the ice cream? Like she's just, cause like I know some rich people, I'm sure you do too. I know rich people and they tip the ones that are really rich are so they're in a bubble. They're like JLo. They're, they're not famous, but they're like, they live like they are. So they're like so isolated that they don't go to the grocery store. They don't go to the gas station. They don't do real people things. They're just surrounded by their assistants who basically deliver the world to them. And I'm wondering like, is these people are so privileged and living like in their glass house that they just don't see, they don't know how to like relate to the world and see. Oh. Politi- I, I the rich politicians but like yeah they're, like, they're, they're, po- they're, poli- <laughs> they're politicians right yeah. and so they're not they they want to make everything as abstract as possible because mm-hmm. the more abstract you make things the less you actually have to do and deliver on your promises and um that's what you know you have to just make everything data driven it's like you saying the stuff about they don't have any, you know, the argumentation about what's happening in Ukraine, that, you know, the premise upon which they're trying to build their argument is just not right. And even that is kind of abstract. Right. And, and I, I just you've got to have people coming in and talking about real issues in super specific Terms. Even you just look at all of the movements that have been made, the more progressive people abstract, the more in trouble they get. So you look at things like. Um, but aren't progress, aren't the other side, the conservatives, aren't they abstracting everything and doing very well with that? Because that's their. But I think it I, I think it works for them. Why is it different? Uh, what what, what I'm saying is what, what I'm saying is to go beyond other progressives mm-hmm. to get people who are more. In other words, you'll hear all the time that there's more that Americans agree with, agree on than they disagree on. But we tend to fixate on the stuff that we disagree on. Right. Yeah. And so something that unites Democrats and Republicans mm-hmm. is will I be able to afford a home? Right. Will I be able to um, have health care? You would think. Uh, yeah, but if you make that argument abstract, mm-hmm. which is what Republicans did with um, Obama, let's call it Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Let's call it socialism. The, the game is to make everything as abstract as possible. And um, it, I, I I don't think that is a winning strategy. In other words, their winning strategy is our losing strategy. It sounds like. Um, but I think I, I, I we have to. It's thinking of things in party terms mm-hmm. because I also think that it would benefit Republicans. Like there, we had a conversation last time I was on your show about. There are conservative principles when it comes to economics that I find very persuasive. Mm -hmm. And um, and but and so I think, well, gosh, could I ever vote for somebody who is uh, 
who who is a Republican or so, for somebody who's conservative. And I start I start really thinking about that. Like, I want to look at policy. I want my decisions to be data driven, like mm-hmm. uh, being able to own a, a home is very important to me right now. Crime, you know, is very important to me not, mm-hmm. right now. These are but then I look at shit like these abstract issues like um, like abortion writ large. Like I care about abortion rights for because I understand how that will impact individual people. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, or, or gay rights. Right. These wedge issues that I think that most Republicans really don't give a fuck about. Yeah. I think they're base may passionately care about but i think that like a lot of swing voters a lot of you know people who could go either way more independent people i don't think they really care about i think it would behoove both parties to say okay what let's kind of abandon this stuff that i I don't think republicans really want to be discussing things like gay rights for example you know maybe the fringe maybe because they know so much could get done in our country if we started thinking about regular, average, everyday issues that actually matter and well, build coalitions yeah. there. You know, the, the Republicans are trying to build themselves as the party of the working man now. That's what I, I was listening to. a I was watching a podcast on the Wall Street Journal. Very conservative opinion pe- people were discussing about how the Republicans are continue they're basically saying that Trump has been very successful at, at appealing to the working man and saying well you know with Biden you know you have inflation and really the democrats are elitist and they don't care about the worker but republicans do because jobs we have so many jobs we're cutting taxes to make you you know the reason we cut taxes it's not for the companies it's not for the rich people so you middle american man get a job a good job and and they're that's working as absurd as that sounds it's working they're appealing to the working class by well i I want to see tangible change in my life that's what matters to me i i do look and see okay my my income taxes from year to year based on who's president i do look at that and kind of like Mm. i although there's not that much of a change from one president to the next to warrant you know voting one way or the other but um we're just so, you know, one of the things that Matthew McConaughey did whenever, <laughs> I know this sounds stupid to say this, but um, in the wake of Uvalde was he took the uh, little girl's green Converse mm-hmm. high tops. And these were the shoes that she was wearing when she was killed. And that was a way of, of I think, rendering her body salient. I mean, I saw it and it took my breath away, you well, know, he's, he's and from there, it, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. from Uvalde. Yeah, so um, hmm. we're just th- these are really scary times, and, and and what you said is so true that this is going to be an entire generation that we have the Supreme Court. I mean, it's a basically a supermajority of conservatives on the Supreme Court, and Biden should have immediately gone in and started talking about packing the court. Right, that's what he should have done. And and but we don't we don't have a leader. You look again, you look at Trump when Powell, uh, the head of the Fed, Mm -hmm. was. Was going into quantitative tightening and making, you know, money less liquid and Trump 
starts tweeting up a storm, you know, attacking Powell. And then he, you know, Powell has all of Trump's supporters mm. tweeting him and threatening him and Powell reverse course. Mm. We got, we got, you know, during the pandemic, we, we got. Hang on, hang on. Just don't have that in Biden. I, I, I don't think that I can Hang on, sorry, sorry, back up because I lost a, a two seconds of audio. What did, what did Powell change course on? What did he reverse? So, Powell, you may remember that Trump did, had a moment where mm-hmm. he was attacking Jerome Powell, mm-hmm. who is the head of the Fed, the chair mm-hmm. of the Fed, uh, because, in, because inflation was still pretty low at that point. And he wanted interest rates to tick back down right. in order to stimulate the economy. Right. And right. Powell didn't want to do it because I think Powell saw the writing on the wall. Like if we go through another round, you know, of stimulus plus super low interest rates, inflation is going to climb. Mm-hmm. Right. He saw what was going to happen. But Trump is thinking more short term. Right. And thinking I need to get reelected. And but it, it, he starts attacking Powell on Twitter and doing press conferences and stuff attacking Powell and and so Powell reversed course. So he lowered because the interest Trump, rates. Trump used his political pressure and the power of his office. And I recommend if if you're not familiar with it, because I do this was this happened before I was really concerned with What's economics. This after the first stimulus? This was um I think think it was right in the first six months of covid if mm-hmm. memory serves me okay um but but go back and read about it yeah. i mean i i think if anything it would because that's the reason why we're in this muff up right, right now right, right, right. with with inflation and and what we were talking about and so that's such um, an important point that like democrats really need to keep mentioning i've never heard anyone mention it but like when they start blaming biden for shit that's what you got to throw back at them that's a really fucking important thing really oh yeah this is this but here's the thing i don't Mm -hmm. i don't blame trump either okay i I know but of course but it's but it's rhetoric i'm just talking right exactly exactly but there's no there's no point in even engaging that conversation because people who are for trump Mm -hmm. and against biden or vice versa are going to think that the other person caused the problem it's like remember when we were saying that with reaganomics like for such a long time because i am anti-reagan i thought oh well look at when reagan was president look at what was happening with the economy but it really was not his fault at all and what was happening was actually a good thing because we had Volcker, uh, who was raising the interest rates so that we could finally take inflation down. Right. All of that was a good thing, but yeah. I didn't have the nuance to right, right, right. Okay. to understand some of that. I mean, you look at uh, look at the Queen, mm-hmm. right? Well, my stepfather and I were having this conversation last night at dinner because he tried to say that the monarchy, the British monarchy, is just all ceremonial. And I was like, Dwayne, you should really watch the crown because to a degree, what you're saying is correct. Mm -hmm. But when you are a head of state like that, you, you got to see in the crown, the, um, the way that 
she was able to even influence somebody really steer somebody like Winston Churchill, right? Who is so dogmatic and so powerful, right? And so even though the president may not control fiscal policy to that extent, he can't make Jerome Powell do something. Right. But bully the shit out of him. But clearly Trump was able to sway. So, okay, I need to end soon because I have to eat and we're going to see David Serta's new play tonight, which opens. Oh, what is it? Talk about about it. Called a fine feathered murder mystery. He's doing a spoof of like those Agatha Christie whodunit things like where there's 12 people and you don't know who did it. And, you know, there's like a dowager and it's and there's a drag queen playing Miss Marple. And, you know, it's just fun. So, oh, that does sound like fun. Yeah, which means well, I can't go for... to the abortion protest. But I just wanted to say that I feel like we've accomplished absolutely nothing. I don't know yeah, where. Yeah, me neither. And I feel like that we are all over the board. Yeah. But guess what? That yeah. is the current moment. And that's probably what's going on yeah. in a lot of people's minds right now mm. where you feel where something like Roe versus Wade. Uh, abortion has always been so abstract mm-hmm. to me, I guess, as a man. And uh, when I would hear about people debating about Roe versus Wade overturned, I just because I was Roe versus Wade has always been a part of my reality. I just never really thought it was real. And I what is happening and what has been happening is it's so huge. Yeah. That. You almost have to start having conversations about what does our party represent? Right. What do we stand for? What do we want to vote on? Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, I think my takeaway, and I know you want to go, but that if I could put a button on it, it's that I'm no longer convinced by the corporate Democrat myth that I have to get in line and vote for whoever. I, at this point, I would rather cast my vote to a third party person if their politics align with my, if they're talking yeah. about the things that I need to hear about. Um, right. Well, I went back, you know, cause I got in, an, when this first came out, I got kind of an argument with one of my fans and she was very passionate and kind of lashed out at me like, well, it's your, you know, you're the one that said that uh, Hillary was a piece of shit or something. And I, I don't remember what I, you know, I talk so much shit. I don't remember, but I did pull up, a, you know, but then on my memories and Facebook, one of them came up where I said, you know, in 2016, I said, I just want to tell you that I'm voting for Hillary. And if no other reason, you need to vote for Hillary because of SCOTUS. Right. I said that very clearly. I'm voting for Hillary because of SCOTUS. And I always do that in every election. The Supreme Court is why I still vote Democrat, because it fucking matters. My pussy matters. And it's like I don't now it's a little different because. Yeah, if you're going to look at SCOTUS, it matters, but not for like 20 years, but it still matters. You know, like Clarence Thomas, it's going to get worse. It does matter, but I don't know. Everybody has to figure out. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Match, I think that that maybe Uh this is the perfect time to vote your conscience. Right. And and that's what I talked about before, because now we have like 50 years really before anything can change again. Right. Well, but maybe not. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. things with decisions like this Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to continue to make decisions like this. That will be the impetus that people need to change the change 
um, the makeup of the Supreme Court yeah. and um, not limited to nine people or right. do whatever they need Absolutely. to do in order to change the composition of the court. But now is the time. And, and so maybe it needs to get a little bit worse before it can get better. Uh, but, um, but I'm I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not playing these games. I'm not going to. I'm I'm just not. I I care about right now. I care about crime. I care about uh, housing. I care about income inequality, and of course, I care about things like healthcare and abortion and 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 all of this other stuff. But well, for me, what an, I, what I care about. My pussy matters. That man. Well, that was that that was prescient, right? Yeah. Because we're joking yeah, about it, a, but I think in an era where. Roe v. Wade has been overturned, as it has yeah. been. My pussy matters. I want to say one thing, which is last. I don't know where I if I'm. I always tell myself I'm going to opt out of Democrats, but then I always am coming back. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I. I it's, it's right. Just happened. I don't know what's happening. I just want to say one thing, which is I think the strongest thing for me to say right now, if I could sum it up, is this is this is something that really affects women. This is their issue, right? And it's a personal attack on women by the government. And I think it's really important to just have empathy for them, for women and what yes. they're going through. This primarily, this is attacking them. It's just like if there was, if they overturn gay marriage, that would be affecting gay people. And we would be the ones primarily affected. I just think they are the where we should be focused right now. Empathy for these women that have had this huge blow. And remember that if you don't have a uterus or whatever the proper way to say that is right now, then you don't quite have the same visceral impact right now. And I think, yeah, I think it's just when important I, to, to, I know that most of my audience is probably men, but I think it's really important to have empathy for women and understand that what they're going through right now is difficult and to be, I don't know, empathize. And quite frankly, as a gay man, yeah, uh, Roe versus Wade is more important than marriage equality. Nobody, mm-hmm. in other words, gay people aren't going to die if they can't get married, right? And gay marriage is well, important, important. Yeah. yeah. But um, but uh, but you could have your you could lo- you could lose your spouse and not be able to be in the ICU with them. Oh yeah, and I, that's I, horrible. It's hard to compare that, horrible things, but that that's horrible. But yeah. th- this affects more people in more profound ways than that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's hard to believe really. It's kind of like, wow, somebody just died and you just like, don't believe it. It feels like that to me. What? Like, um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming with coming on the show in such a last minute. Oh, I haven't come yet. Hold on. You can keep coming. Oh oh, gosh! You should have said as I'm coming. Have our. What? Doesn't she say something about clean this up now? She said corned beef doesn't matter, and then sissy Gemini. I think she's not saying corned beef. To see Gemini. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Reagan. Talk to you later. You're welcome. Bye. Bye, honey. You make no sense. <laughs> oh, boy.
Boy, it's time to get up, but I think I'll go back to my dreams again. Boy, I had this serious dream you just... Oh, goodness. I dreamed that the Russians couldn't get the plans through the atomic bomb, so they started out to find the most destructive thing in the world, the second most destructive. <laughs> but my mummy wouldn't tell them how I was put together, you know. <laughs> oh, 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 somebody's coming, somebody's coming. Uh, Junior. Junior, come on, dear, it's time to get up. And I do mean... Day. Wake up, Junior. All right, I'll see if you're playing possum. I'll throw a glass of ice water on you. Mm. Now, Junior, have a busy day ahead. All right, I'll get the ice water. <laughs> Don't be afraid, folks. He won't do it. He won't do it. Junior, do you hear me? Nothing to give me. Okay, about I'm going to throw it. She'll never do it in a million years, but she'll never do it. <laughs> Now, I'm going to tell on you. You're going to tell I'm what? I'm going to tell everybody that you was in the original cast of the old Shakespearean plays. And that you was, that, was, that, that old Shakespeare was your bow. Now, look, virus X. I'm not that old. <laughs> oh, you're not that old. No. Huh? Oh, no. Oh, bravo, bravo. Verna, you were superb. You were oh, superb. yes. But I owe it all to my beloved William. <laughs> Don't you hit me. Don't you hit me. Is Junior ready for breakfast? If we're having it in a goldfish bowl, I is. Yeah. Oh, Junior, what happened? Well, Nemo, I just threw a whole glass of ice water on me, and I wasn't doing nothing. Oh, Mother, now you shouldn't have. No. Why, the poor little child. Yes. A thing like that could cause him to grow up with a phobia against water. Oh, you poor child. Oh, come now, kiddo. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. <laughs> I'm sorry, Junior. It wasn't a nice joke. Oh, I don't mind them, no more, doll. I don't mind. I shouldn't uh -huh. have blabbed on you. I love you so much. But you better hurry and dry me off because I'm not samphorized, you know. I might shrink. <laughs> or is there a T in that word? <laughs> I might become so widowed that you would never notice me running around the house, you know. And then when you vacuumed the rug, you would pick me up with the lint, you know, because I would be so widowed, Billy, that I would wind up right in the vacuum bag with the rest of the trash, you know. And then you would take it out and you would empty it into a, a newspaper and then roll up the newspaper and then take it out in the back and raise up the door to the insinuator and throw me in there, then light a match to it and burn me up and you'll never know what... Oh, no, no. Now what's the matter? I scared me down. <laughs> Right. Oh, what time it is? What time it is? Well, what time it is? It's about eight o'clock. Oh, Why? goodness me. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I promise what? to be over at Jim Hawkins' house at nine o'clock, you know. I'm going to watch uh, Jim Hawkins perform a mysterious trick, you know. He goes into the shed and he brings out eggs and he don't have no chickens. Oh, you can't get eggs without chickens. He does. How? He got ducks. <laughs> boy. <laughs> Fred, I've never seen you looking so well. Oscar, you stooping to flattery? Whatever has come over you? I don't know. Suddenly I'm a nice guy. It's terrible. How can I become my old repulsive self again? <laughs> you mean you were happier as a rat? Yes. <laughs> well, Oscar, you have got to get hold of yourself. Why should I get hold of myself? I might get to like it and become an osteopath. <laughs> 
Well, when did your personality reverse itself, Oscar? It started out in Hollywood, Fred. Well, tell me, what were you doing out in Hollywood? For my birthday, somebody gave me a pair of smoke glasses and some lavender wedgies. <laughs> Where else could I wear them without people staring at me? <laughs> well, didn't you make a picture with Joan Crawford and John Garfield for the Warner Brothers? Yes. I suppose you uh, play the piano in the picture. Whenever they send for me to come out to Hollywood, it always has something to do with a piano. Well, how do you mean? If it's a B picture, they want me to play the piano. Yeah? If it's an A picture, they want me to move the piano. <laughs> Well, what about this picture you just finished? In this picture, I play the piano and move it. <laughs> well, tell me, how did you, uh, how, how did you photograph? I'm hideous. <laughs> I should wear a sweater over my face. Say, if you had pop eyes, a sweater might look good. Charlie, my friend. Where have you been lately? Charlie, I was all over the world. Is that so? I was, let me see, I was in Africa. Africa. And then I was in London, Paris, Rome. I was in Rome, then I went to Venice. And after no, I no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Venice. Yeah, I was in Venice. No, Venice, Van, Van. Last month, Ben, <laughs> I was there. Tell Don't me, tell me where Baron, I was. Baron, wait a minute. Let, tell me, yeah. did you see the gondolas while you were there? <laughs> I called on them. They wasn't home. No, no, they wasn't there. No, no. You see, I... Oh, I tell you, you're the same old Baron. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's get back to Africa. Yeah. Did you run across any wild animals? Did I run across them? I ran across a bunch of uh, hip on top of the animal buses. Uh, and this wait, wait, was... Wait, would you say that again? Hip on top of the omnibus? No, no, no. Hippopotamus. Well, as I was going to catch one of those... Uh, Hippopotamus. Yeah. Uh, an old boy ran over. You see? Wait, 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 wait. An old boy? Yeah. What in the world is an old boy? Oh, that's a big bird. It's a bird, but it's nothing but garlic or hamburger cheese. <laughs> when it flies by you... <laughs> Oh, boy, am I... You never... This is... So... I, uh, I suppose this bird is now extinct. Yeah, I'm... Huh? I said, I suppose this bird is now extinct. <laughs> Always did. Is he... Yeah. Look, look, Baron. Yeah? Don't you think it's about time you stopped these adventures and settled down? Yeah, I, I did settle down. Sure, settled really? down. Where? On my farm. Oh, I didn't know you had a farm. Let me give you an idea uh, how big my farm is. My nephew, Gustav, went out to milk the cows on the other side of the farm. That's when he was 12 years old. 12 years yeah. old? Yeah. And when he came back, he had a wife and three childs. And when he came back, he brought back 9,000 gallons of milk. How many yes. gallons? <laughs> 41. You how, see, well, 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 how did the milk go from 9,000 gallons to 41? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he came back with the milk. I see. Now, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Answer my question. Yeah. How did the milk go from 9,000 gallons to 41? <laughs> I condensed it. <laughs> you it? Tell me, Baron, on your farm, do you yeah. go in for chickens? Uh, you see, no, not at my age. Uh, you see, he who came... taught you to be a farmer? Uh, my cousin Hugo. Well, I thought Hugo was a musician. He was, he was. You know that he has over 200 
Violins in that thing? I, I hate to keep correcting you, but yes. not violins. No. Violins. Why? Why? Because he liked them, violins. <laughs> he had 200 violins, and he's got 20 hobos. Hobos. Bums he's got in that band. Oh, no, wait a minute. That is unbelievable. That is preposterous. What's you there, Charlie? <laughs> And now, friends, we present the program that reenacts historical events as though they were happening today. Bob and Ray was there. We take you now to Promontory Point, Utah, and ace correspondent Chet Sturdley. This is Chet Sturdley at Promontory Point, Utah. For weeks, the track lane crews from the west and the track lane crews from the east have been laying track. And they're now <laughs> only one mile apart. When they meet here at Promontory Point, the tracks will be joined by a golden spike. And while we're waiting for the crews to meet, let's switch to Ace Correspondent Chet Ormsby. Now, this is Ace Correspondent Chet Ormsby. I'm stationed near the point where the tracks will be joined in the Iron Horse Barn Grill. Beside me is Mr. Patrick Hammerhead McGonagall, the man who's been chosen to drive the golden spike. Mr. McGonagall, will you tell us how you came to be chosen for the great honor of driving the golden spike? Well, I was working on the track yesterday, and the foreman comes up to me, and he says, Hey, McGonagall. And I says, Yeah, and he says, You doing anything tomorrow? And I says, No. And he says, Okay, you drive the golden spike. Well, thank you, Mr. McGonagall. And now we switch you to Chet Sturdley for a report on the progress of the track-laying crews. This is Chet Sturdley again at Promontory Point. The track layers are half a mile apart now. They're running neck and neck. And for more details, here's Ace Correspondent Chet Harper. Now, this is Ace Correspondent Chet Harper. I am in the signal tower at Steve Canyon, Nevada. <laughs> and now back to Chet Sturdley. Thanks, Chet, for that colorful description. <laughs> the track layers are coming into the stretch now. Maybe you can hear them uh, in the background. They're approaching the finish line. They're still two feet short of the finish line. Not enough track. <laughs> and while we're waiting for them to send for more track, I'm going to interview some of this great crowd which is gathered to watch the driving of the Golden Spike. Here's an Indian chief coming toward me in full regalia. Uh, chief, will you tell us uh, what you think of the Iron Horse? An iron Horse, bad medicine. Well, uh, what would you consider a good medicine? Milk of magnesia. <laughs> Pardon me, friends, this is the big moment we've all been waiting for. Mr. McGonagall, the spike driver, is stepping into position. He's grasping the golden spike in his left hand. There goes the hammer. Ow! Well, it's too bad he hit his thumb, but he's, he's trying again. And he did it. The golden spike is driven, and here come the trains, one from the east and one from the west. <laughs> Yes, the trains are speeding to the meeting point at this very moment. They're getting closer. 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 They're about to meet. Darling. Good morning, Tildoo Angel. Sweetheart, I must say you look refreshingly well rested this morning. Yes, thanks to our wonderful Pasternak factory tested Pussy Willow mattress. 
The mattress that takes all of the guesswork out of sleeping. <laughs> well, breakfast ready, Angel Face? Yes, sweetums. Here's your coffee. Well, thank you, doll. Ah, uh, oh, peach fuzz. You've spilled some on your vest. Good. Now I can try some of that little panther spot remover. <laughs> Just spray some little panther on your vest and watch it eat the spot right out. And imagine, darling. Stop. Don't you dare move to Lou. Oh, what? What have you done to your hair? That sheen, that brilliant. Well, I guess it's what so many society women are doing these days. I went to Madame Yvonne's hair do heaven. Well, it is divine. Your head looks like the back of a bunny, really. <laughs> Oh, our canary. Little Yasha is so happy. He knows that the newspaper on the bottom of his cage is New York's leading daily. <laughs> morning, Rachel. Oh, good morning, Mums and Daddy. Oh. Isn't she cute? <laughs> I just love the way your tooth is shining this morning. <laughs> yes, Mummy. I brushed it with Dr. Pratt's homogenized toothpaste. So sweet. I love you, Mummy oh. and Daddy. I love you, you Well, that's little Yasha telling us our time is up. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 6, folks. Until then, this is Freddie. And Tallulah. Saying goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> now, wasn't that, wasn't that simple, Tallulah, with a radio program like this? But it's ridiculous, Fred. Nobody can possibly be that cheerful every morning. Well, that's true. If one of those happy couples woke up grouchy one morning, the listener would probably hear something like this. Uh, 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 hey, knucklehead, get out of that bed. you got a program to do. Will you quit yapping? Six o'clock in the morning. Who's up to listen to us? A couple of burglars and Arthur Godfrey, maybe. <laughs> My mouth tastes like a sandhog just pulled his foot out of it. Dad, I'm sleeping. Well, why don't you stay home some night and try sleeping? Sleeping on that Pasternak Pussy Willow mattress? Every time I lie down on that cat hair, my back arches. Oh, stop beefing. Here's your coffee. Well, it's about time. I spill some on my nightshirt. Oh, you're such a slob. I'll get that bottle. <laughs> that little bottle of panther spot removed. You're not putting any of that Adam juice on me. <laughs> the last time it ate away my nightshirt and I still had the spot left. <laughs> Where do you find these sponsors? In the police lineup? Ah! Your hair. <laughs> it, it looks as though you just took your head out of a mix master. I know that hag, Madam Yvonne, with her chicken fat. My hair keeps sliding off my head. Ah, that bird again. Shut up, you molting pest. Now look here, Clamp. Oh, buddy. shut up. And Yasha, you shut up, too. Good morning, Mummy and Daddy. <laughs> That'll teach you sneaking up on your parents with that one tooth like an old elf. Can the kid help it if she looks like you? I want my breakfast. Uh, go gum a donut. And I've had enough of this grind with you and that kid in the canary yapping around. I've got a gun here. Yes, and you're next.
Tom Woody. Oh, 